Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Tuesday morning, the 22nd of December, three days to Christmas, and not the way we wanted it to be, not the place in which we wanted it to be. By any stretch of the imagination. It's really important that people stay at home, stop socialising, rethink your plan. We're clearly now in a third wave with very rapidly rising case numbers and the growth rate is of really grave concern. I will get to that in a moment. On a brighter note, you remember the Santa letter from 1960? We have some big news on the Santa letter from 1960 that we talked about on the programme last week. And also, uh, if you are cooking Christmas Day, it might be your first time. You might have made a hames of it the last time. You might be nervous as anything about trying something new. We have tips uh, and, and advice for you coming up during the morning from a television chef. Yes, we have. And also, if you have any questions... Uh, that you'd like to ask our television chef, you can send them in to 083-396-9696. We'll brighten up your morning as best we can, but I warn you on this Tuesday, the 22nd of December, that even before we get out of the blocks, things are not looking at all good. We're trying to evaluate uh, things such as the potential role of this new variant that we've heard so much about in in recent days, uh, and we think that now... It's very important that people revise any plans that they may have, may have had. People may well have listened over the course of the last couple of weeks, thought ahead, planned ahead. It's now time to look again at those plans. Ask yourself basic questions. If you're in one of the younger age groups, for example, and you have been socialising over the course of the last period of time, you have been out and about with friends, we think your plan that might have you meeting up with other members of your family, particularly older members uh, of your family uh, um, uh, over the age of 65, especially people who are with medical uh, underlying conditions who will be vulnerable to this infection. We know this is a time of year with a lot of family meeting up, we understand that. Uh, but with the very hopeful news uh, Dr. Norman has shared with us that we now have authorization of vaccines. We're really on the cusp of being able to offer those very people the protection of vaccines, we hope, in the coming weeks and, and months. This is not where we want it to be at all, is it? Dr. John Sheehan, good morning. Morning, PJ. No, no. when you and I first spoke back in February, March, when you wore the chain of Lord Mayor, this is nowhere near like we expected or wanted to be. 
We certainly didn't, and um, 2020 is the year that just keeps on giving. Um, it's been an incredible year, the, the ups and the downs, the fear that we had in March. The, I suppose the sense of relief then when the numbers went down during the summer, and then October, Halloween time again, they went up, and we kind of thought we were kind of heading up the gap, PJ. But unfortunately, uh, COVID has had another kick at us, and... Um, has probably happened more than we all thought. We all thought, you know, we'd get Christmas, we'd see our family, our friends, we'd get out a bit and take some of that pressure off. January's kind of a quiet month anyway, so that if things were slowed down in January, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But unfortunately, what has happened is the numbers have shot up much earlier than everyone had, had thought was possible. So before we even hit Christmas, and we're in Christmas week this week, the numbers are high and that's really why they've had to be acting the way they have. Is this down to that variant that, that's out there now or, or is it just the way this thing is behaving anyway? I think it's just the way it's behaved anyway. Um, naturally, you know, there's more people out and about, there's more people shooting, there's more people meeting and, and that's totally understandable. And at an individual level, the risk is relatively low but when you add all of those things together it starts going up, and that's what it tends to be driving the number. I would be very surprised, TJ, if the variant isn't here in Ireland, given our, uh, our connections with the UK. Yeah. So I think it's only a matter of time before that comes in. But I think yeah. it's important to, for people to realise that the variant just means it's more infectious. It doesn't mean it's more severe if they get it. It's still the same virus if they get yeah. it. It yeah. just means it spreads easier. Yeah, I think all the experts, to be fair, have been saying, Professor Anthony Staines was very clear about it yesterday morning, and I think Dr. Gascoon from the Viral Lab was saying it as well. There's no evidence that this will make you any sicker. It's just that it's so much more infectious. That's correct. And then that's really why they have to react the way they do, because with the numbers going up, we have about 700, 700 yesterday, with the numbers going up and with a potentially more infectious strain, that's around the place with Christmas, with all these sort of connections that happen at Christmas, people traveling, people meeting people. Um, it's probably a perfect cocktail for the whole thing to, to take off. And really, they, they, they can't afford that, particularly when we had a bit of good news um, yesterday with the approval of the vaccine for yeah. Europe and the rollout of that over the next few months. John, what you do hear said as a counter to the argument being made by the CMO, for example, is, well, sure, the hospitals are grand, it's under control in the hospitals. We went to lockdown in March and April because the hospitals were overwhelmed. They're not overwhelmed now. What's the counter argument back at that one, John? Yeah, no, that, that's a valid point. In March, it was all about hospital capacity and ICU capacity because the vast majority of people who were being admitted with COVID were elderly people uh, from nursing homes. Now it's slightly different because the numbers, if you look at the numbers we've now, the numbers are quite high, but the numbers who require ICU and hospitalisation, thankfully, are quite low. But the fear is when the numbers get up to sort of seven, eight hundred and near a thousand, it's very easy to go from there then to two, three, four thousand, and then you're in big trouble. So it's like having a fire, you know, if it's only ticking away a little bit, but the risk is then it can take off very, very quickly. And that's why they're so concerned, because they've seen it rise really very, very fast in the last week. And if it continues on that trend, then the hospitals will be under pressure, the ICUs will be under pressure. So rather than wait and sort of see this happen, 
they have to take action to try to avoid it. I'm not sure if your area of expertise stretches to to tracing and, and contact tracing, but we're told anecdotally at least, that once the daily case number goes anywhere near 500, our contact tracing system becomes rapidly overwhelmed. That's very, very worrying. It, it certainly is, and I know they have recruited for uh, more contact tracers because they were certainly needed, and we, we saw this about six weeks ago where in one weekend the contact tracing system got overwhelmed. Um, once you start going up to those numbers, there's so many interconnections and if each one is in contact with five or six people and the numbers, you can see how very quickly the numbers become very, very hard to, to manage. In March and April, the, the contacts were like one, two people for every person. Now it's much higher. It's much above five and six. So it makes the, the job of the contact tracers much more difficult. And when the numbers go up quickly, it's very, very hard to keep a handle on that. John, we're also in the middle of winter now, and the problem, I guess, as, as a local GP, I'm asking you to put that hat on for a second. COVID is out there, and, and we want to all avoid it, but so are ordinary, everyday, common colds, laryngitis, stuffy noses, winter chills. All those normal things are out there. If everybody who gets a winter chill or, or an old cough or a cold starts coming looking for a test... Sure, it'll burst the system in days. How do we know when we need a test? It, it certainly will, yeah. And I'm constantly to ring our own doctor. One of the good things about this year, PJ, is because of all the measures people are having, the masks, the social distancing, the hand washing, the level of other infections we've seen this year in terms of colds, we haven't seen flu yet, all of those things are way down this year. So that has been one of the bonuses um, that we've had this year. We've seen very, very phone numbers of all those other infections because of all the measures people are taking you know they're not mixing as much they're not socializing they're not coughing if you cough and don't know you get a strange look and yes. you know so all of those measures have made a big difference and so the other number of infections are way down so i'd encourage you to think their gp if they're concerned and finally john already people are talking about whether the schools should reopen after the holidays. The, the government, the Taoiseach, the Minister for Education, Ms. Ms. Foley, determined to keep the schools open. In, in your medical opinion, John, is that feasible long-term while we try to deal with this third wave? I think it is. I, and to be fair to the schools, they've done a great job. And the level of infection in the schools is actually lower than out in the general population. So that's, that's a sign that they're doing things quite right. And the evidence shows that transmission from children to children is actually quite low. And so I, I think they should be keeping the schools open if at all possible because children missed nearly six months out of school already. Um, and I think it's very important for the development. And some sense of normality, PJ, I know on a January, Monday morning, I might not necessarily agree with me going off to school, but I think it's that routine and things like that. Because, you know, we are seeing people struggle. We're all saying, oh, not again. You know, we're nearly there. But there's a, there's a few months of this yet. Like it's really going to be the summer before the vaccine really is way, you know, out in the population. So there's a bit to go on this yet, unfortunately. But okay. we are getting there. Okay, listen, John, thank you as always. That's uh, Councillor Dr. John Sheehan. Of course, he was Lord Mayor of Cork when this damn thing arrived in our midst. And he remains a practicing GP and indeed a member of the council. And his advice is just be careful. Be very, very careful. Stay. Call your GP if you feel unwell.
call you GP if you feel unwell and this is why they need to clamp down and we were talking in a minute about the clamp down we can expect it we don't think anything will happen pretty much after lunchtime Christmas Eve pubs gastropubs and restaurants and maybe even hotels will be having to shut down Christmas Eve afternoon um, the travel ban to the UK to and from the UK will be there until New Year's Eve at least the inter-county travel ban is now likely to be uh, whipped back in 27th and 28th of December at the very, very latest. We'll check in uh, politically with what's happening in, in just a moment. But I want to know what you plan to do. Everybody in Cork that I know plans Christmas their own way. You see family, you see friends, you have things that you've done for years and you love doing them. Simple, simple things like the neighbours from four doors down who you only ever see waving to them when you're putting out the bins. They come up on Christmas morning. You know, your friend, your sister, your brother pops over Christmas morning and then they go and have dinner with their own family. Or you might have some, you might have a huge Christmas dinner planned. There could be 10, 15, 20 people in your house Christmas Day. You can't do that now. So what are we going to do? Are you going to change your plans? Are you going to effectively cancel normal Christmas activities? What are you going to do? There's a tradition that I have had myself for damn nearly 30 years, 25 years anyway. And that is a, tri- a Christmas trip to Kerry. I go down every Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, I go to Kerry for a day or two to be with my best friend and see him and his family. And sometimes, and for many years now, we've gone down ourselves as a family for New Year's. That won't be happening this year, unfortunately. We just can't do it. Just can't do it. It's, it's sad, but we can't do it. Uh, are you changing any plans that you had as a result of the rising numbers? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Couple of messages coming in uh, rebelling at the latest developments and giving out to me, accusing me of parroting for the government or other such things. I'm. Merely following the science, the real science. I'll read them, though, in in just a minute. But let's find out what's likely to happen. The papers are full of it this morning with what is going to happen over the Christmas. Now, remember, initially, we were going to get a reprieve from most things until about the 5th or 6th of January. We could travel. We could have two other households in the house with us. The gastropubs would be open. The restaurants would be open. Okay, the wet pubs still closed and all that. We could shop as normal. We were just being asked to be careful, keep washing the hands, keep wearing the masks, keep doing the distance, keep doing all of that until about the 5th or 6th of January. But then the last few days happened and now it looks as if it'll be back into a form of lockdown from Christmas Eve onwards, getting rapidly tighter until the start of January, when effectively we may well be back into level five. That's the analysis I have from the morning papers. Sean Defoe, political correspondent. Sean, good morning to you. Morning. Is that an accurate read? 
Yeah, it's going to be a phased sort of reintroduction of uh, some kind of a lockdown. We don't know 100% how far things are going to go. Certainly, Dr. Tony Hoolan recommended last night that we need to go to level five at some point in January, but there's no clear timeline on that. From what I understand, he didn't recommend a specific day for us to go into that third lockdown as, as it would be now, and the cabinet ministers are unlikely to announce that today. But what you will see is a bring forward of all the restrictions that you just mentioned. So from Christmas Eve, uh, pubs that serve food and restaurants are going to have to close from kind of early afternoon just after lunchtime. And also things like hairdressers, uh, barbers, beauticians, cinemas, galleries, um, things like that will have to close. But non-essential retail will be allowed to stay open through that period. Then St. Stephen's Day, December 26th, will be the last day that you can travel freely. From the 27th, there is going to be the inter county travel restrictions reintroduced. One important thing to note on that though, if people are um, say they are a court person living in Dublin is going home and plan to spend a week and a half at home was leaving today or tomorrow uh, for Christmas and return on the weekend of the 2nd or 3rd of January, let's say, to return to work on Monday the 4th, they will be allowed to do that. So that will be one exemption to it. If you've travelled home, you will be able to then uh, return to the place where you usually live uh, in defiance, if you like, of those restrictions. And then we are set to get a bit more guidance on whether there will be a further lockdown, whether there will be a level 5 proper, and also the ban on flights coming in from the UK, which had been due to expire today. That's been kicked out to the very end of the year, so it'll be December 31st at the very earliest when that is lifted. Any idea what's going to happen with regard to the north, Sean, which is still effectively a backdoor into into this country through Belfast Airport? Yeah, they've obviously voted not to to ban flights from the the mainland Great Britain, if you like, as well, last night. So it does remain a concern, but there is not a huge amount that the government could do about it. They're not going to close the border to travel because all sorts of practical reasons uh, that that would entail and realistically the best they can do is try to appeal to people not to use that back door because it's the people that they come to see and most likely their loved ones that they will actually uh, be putting at risk. The only flights really that the government is going to sanction anyone to get on is two repatriation flights which are happening I understand from London this evening for people who are genuinely were in the UK for a short time and are kind of stranded. Yeah, who who would be entitled to those flights? I mean I can't just rock up to, to, to London Airport or to Heathrow Airport and say, come here, I, I need to get home. I need to be able to show due cause. Not, I'm not just heading home for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So if you were living full-time in um, in Great Britain and just looking to get home for a visit, that, that wouldn't be enough to get you on the flight. But, but how are, are they going to check? Well, that's one of the good questions, I suppose. They say they have a vetting process that people who want to get a ticket for this flight have to get in contact with the DFA and then go through um, all of that. I'm not entirely sure what, what that entails, but certainly um, they have said that they will be quite rigorous in trying to do that. And it is more to help out the people who were uh, maybe visiting temporarily to, to the UK, maybe visiting their own loved ones before coming back um, or happen to be transiting back from Europe. And we understand there are a number of those. Okay. All right, Sean, we'll hear more when? Mid-morning? Uh, it should be maybe a little bit later than that. I would expect an announcement from the government before lunchtime. We might have a bit of an idea out of the cabinet meeting, but that formal announcement and uh, somewhere in around the half, twelve, one o'clock mark. Just in time for the one o'clock news, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, How Sean. convenient. How convenient. Uh, convenient, yeah. Sean, thank you very much. That's political correspondent Sean Defoe. So the, the bars and the restaurants will close Christmas Eve afternoon. The travel restrictions will kick in again on the 27th of December. They will allow you to get back 
if you were visiting someone for the Christmas, but 27th of December, travel restrictions will kick in. The flight ban to and from the UK held until the 31st, if not longer, but they can do nothing at this stage about anyone flying into Belfast and coming down over the border, which kind of knocks a big hole in it. Now, look, could you practically, could you practically line the border with guards and soldiers? and turn people back? And could you practically turn cars from Cork or Limerick or Galway or Kerry back at the border and say you're not going up north to collect your sister who's just in off the place? You can't. You're not doing it. Could you practically do that? I don't know, could you? I don't know, would you get away with it? Would you be in breach of the Good Friday Agreement if you did it? 1850-715-996. If Ireland and the rest of the world wants to truly get rid of this virus, they should have a four-week lockdown totally enforced with all borders shut. The problem is we've never really had a lockdown because we were afraid of the damage. But then we have repeated closures and that causes far more damage. A four-week lockdown would literally eliminate the virus. Just use all resources necessary to do it army, whatever. Anyone that breaks it gets put into quarantine in an army barracks. Yeah, Fergal is telling me here, and he's no doubt he's right, treaties and things like that, Good Friday agreements and things like that, they would have provisions, they should at least have provisions for public health and national security. And public health can become a matter of national security. So could you, if you wanted to, and if you were of a mind to, line the main road over the border with guards and soldiers? You could. You could if you wanted to. Just a point on what PJ said to Dr. Sheehan about how the virus is behaving. It's not the virus's behaviour that causes the spread, it's human behaviour. The virus doesn't have a brain, but we do. Also, infections in schools show no transmission between children, according to the doctor. But he ignores the elephant in the room, just like PJ did. The transmission from children to adults, that's from John. Yeah, I didn't ask him that question, John. I didn't ask him that question. Maybe I should have. Appreciate your point. Baldy Barber says if they're doing another lockdown, close the off licenses as well, says Baldy Barber. Happy Christmas. John says people have no hope at all left. They keep mentioning the vaccine, but supplies of that won't happen till summer. Then not enough people will take it. You're told how to work, how to behave. We're slowly being controlled. Is it really necessary? At the start, we were told just wash our hands and social distance. And an email from Morris which I will give you for what it is worth. Another wave of black propaganda by the government and the media to generate the pretext to take people's rights away from them and establish the idea of totalitarianism. People do not seem to have the courage to challenge the scaremongering and hysteria. It reveals a society of conformist sheep who lie down to everything if it means a quiet life, despite profound loss of freedom. Journalism, praised for truth-telling, has become a tool to sensationalise and exaggerate out of all proportion and to become the primary agent of governments to control people not to liberate them. Journalism itself has also proven how yellow it is in not having the courage to stand up to government officialdom. It is obsessively engaging in biased, saturated coverage of the reputed pandemic to control the masses. It is either unable or unwilling to question the veracity of uttered facts or figures or their sources and seems to be quite happy to go along with the charade. Thank you for your email, Morris. Thank you very much. Now, could you send me a second email with your proof of any of that? Because I'd like to see it. 
of course I should maybe we should tell them Terry about the meeting we were all called to back in February and told the script for this we should shouldn't we that big meeting we all had yeah there was um, yeah oh Morris go and boil your head with the ham The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see lehanmotors.ie Take TikTok tunes, throwbacks, collabs, most streamed 2020. Are you ready? The top five at five countdown. Join us all next week for a different Top 5 at 5 countdown every day on Cork's 96FM. Hear five of the biggest hits from 5pm. Only on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. On WhatsApp, there's 15 confirmed cases so far in a crash on the south side. And yet creches and schools seem to be exempt from restrictions. It's always hospitality and retail. Well, we've no independent verification of that message. No one can tell us that that message is true. It might be what the person believes and, and, and you're welcome. Welcome to it. It doesn't make you right. Patricia says, like I say, schools are not safe. Having windows open and every day it's not right for kids, teachers or staff. It's madness, says Patricia. A lot of people were telling us yesterday that they had decided not to send their children in for the last two days. Today being the last day in pretty much all the schools, uh, finishing up today for the Christmas. We'll be asking the question, I guess, very soon whether people are going to send their children back for the Christmas. Is it the 4th of January that most places are back? I wonder, will they be sending their children back after the Christmas? If you've thoughts on that, I'd like to hear them. At eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six, will people take a decision off their own bat? One or two schools made a decision off their own bat in the last while, and there was a, up in the west of Ireland somewhere there was a, a school principal made the decision to close down, and he was whipped on the ankles by the well, you know, figuratively by the Department of Education, and he had to open again. Last I heard, he was considering his position the way they'd overruled him, which I thought was disgraceful, by the way. If he wants to close his school and thinks he has cause to close his school, let him close his school. 1850 there's a crash at the Kinsale Road roundabout at the exit for the South City Link. So be careful around there and expect delays. Just one more. Hi, PJ, just a text in response to people blaming gastropubs and restaurants. I'm a continental truck driver using the UK as a land bridge on a weekly basis. Sending you a quick video of last Thursday in Hollyhead waiting for the ferries into Ireland. 12 miles of a tailback. The ferry companies have a lot to answer for as well. I've been observing this since lockdown. Not checking if people travelling, if their travel is essential. There's no policing of face masks or social distancing. Everyone's sitting on top of each other. You go to Dublin Port any night of the week and see the hundreds of foreign registered cars. It's just crazy. And nine times out of ten, they're not stopped or not checked to see where they're coming from or going to. I'm not a drinker, and due to my job, I rarely get to go to a restaurant. 
but I think it's highly unfair to blame restaurants and gastropubs when I could put money that a lot of cases are being brought into the country by ferry going unpoliced. I've no doubt there's cases coming from restaurants and pubs, but if ports were policed properly, cases would drop massively. Well, presumably this will change due to the travel ban. And I was only thinking this morning, I was throwing some notes together, I was only thinking this travel ban now being kept in place until we think New Year's Eve, that will prove once and for all, won't it, whether or not there was a lot of stuff coming in on the ferries and on the planes from the UK because by the end of January we should get the figures relating to this couple of weeks or maybe the middle of January we'll get the figures relating to this couple of weeks so from now until December 31st nobody can get in here from the UK bar getting in the back door in Belfast so that should lead to a major drop in case numbers if it is a thing that a lot of cases are coming in on ferries and planes. But thank you for your message. Because I have a letter in front of me. This letter was tweeted out uh, overnight. Dear resident, unfortunately there is an outbreak of COVID-19 in the Kinsale Road Accommodation Centre. There are now nine confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the centre, notified to the Department of Public Health. Rose, good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. These people are your friends. Do you know anybody personally who's been diagnosed? No, I don't know anyone so far. I don't know exactly who they are. I've got um, loads of phone calls of people, especially those with families, who are extremely worried, you know. Could you get a tiny bit closer to your phone, Rose, if that would be possible? Oh, sorry. No, that's Uh, fine. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's a a good few people have called me um, extremely worried about this because, um, yeah, it's very scary. How many people are in the centre? There are just under 300 people. Right. In the centre, yeah. And uh, there are a good few families there. So it's the families mostly that that are calling me because they're so worried for their children. Uh, Christmas coming up and everything. Yeah, it's a very difficult situation, isn't it? And of course, nobody has a room on their own in these places. They're all in rooms of three, four and five. So if if I'm positive, you can take it that in the fullness of time, the other people in my room could well be positive too. Yeah, well, in Kinsale Road, the maximum is two, maximum two people Oh, is it? Okay. okay. Yeah, but still, you know, uh, some people go out, uh, you know, as in Cork, there have been uh, parties happening, and, and I don't know where they go, or to just go shopping, you know, if you look at Patrick Street now, it's so cramped, full of people going Christmas shopping, so they come back to the room, um, they, they give it to the other one, yeah, it's not so difficult, yeah. and... Um, yeah, people are very worried, very worried. I've already, just in, in, the, in the space of 15 minutes this morning, I had three calls, um, especially of people with families, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what and happens when someone is now, confirmed? What, what are they going to do? So they're now, uh, there's a compulsory test now that's happening at the moment. So, um, and yeah, I don't know. Most people will just again lock themselves up in their rooms, you know. And the ones who are positive, of course, have been removed. They're in in isolation. Yeah. Um, that is that is all good, but it's just uh, the fact that so uh, that uh, direct provision is just not fit for purpose. Well, because if the if the spread has been as bad as it could be, they're going to need a lot of isolation units. Yeah, and if we get that uh, strain from the UK, which probably is already around, you know, if that if it 
it's going to spread even faster. Um, that's a, a serious worry, especially mm. in places like that. No, I have, as I said, the letter in front of me, which was signed yes. by Dr. Deirdre Murray, specialist in public health medicine. I, are you happy with the content of that letter? You know, it's always the way people are. Of course, they have to let them know, uh, but it's. I think, uh, and a few people didn't even know. Uh, I don't know how they've delivered the letter. Like, um, was it delivered in other languages, Rose? No, 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 it's in English always, and it's just been put under the door of people. So some people wouldn't understand everything. Um, I think it's, you know, we we have to be serious and treat people like human beings and make sure they get the message and call them or whatever. They have call centers now for HSE. Why don't they just call the people and say, look, this is what's happening in, yeah. a, in a calm way, you know, and explain it properly. Yeah. Um, like, I will, will they be mass tested now? And, and if yeah, they are, how long? How, oh, good, good. And how quickly yeah. will they have those results? I think within two days, normally they get the results, you know. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Because there could be more people positive, of course. Absolutely, they could. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, they yeah. could. Yeah, let's hope not. But, um, yeah, it's a worry. And I think, especially uh, for families, really, there should be they should be taken out of there and put in a place on their own. You know, they, they share these small spaces and it's just, and the kids are going to school and stuff like that. It's just not, it's not healthy at all. Given that, know, that people in direct provision now are entitled to work under certain circumstances, is, well, is, is, yeah. is there any risk that some of these people who are now positive were working with vulnerable people or in, in areas where there are vulnerable people? Well, the ones, uh, the frontline workers now, the, the healthcare workers, they've all been given a, a place in a hotel somewhere um, away from direct provision. So at least those are safe. But then you have people who work in shops, um, you know, and they are they are still there. So yeah, or uh, who go cleaning, whatever, you know. So yeah, the, there's always the possibility of them uh, bringing it back. Yeah. or bringing it to their work. What yeah. kind of liaison services are there in terms of, and coming back to, to the language barrier issue? Mm. Yeah, yeah the, there isn't much. You know, we, we have, with the City of Sanctuary, we have um, set up a, um, a service for people just to call, uh, if they're a bit like a, a friendly call service. Yeah. Um, in different languages, but that's not informing them. Now, I know there's a service, the, the, this, it's called the World Translation Service or something. It's Graham Clifford, the same person. Yes, we know Graham, yeah. Yeah, yeah he made... They did some uh, great videos during the summer exactly, in, in many, many and, languages, yeah. And I think he's now working with the HSE to make more videos, you good, know, whenever good. something happens. Do you know yeah. the people who are calling you, Rose, like... Obviously, they're frightened of yeah. of what mm. might happen to them or might already have happened to them. Like, do they feel like they've got support? Do they feel they've got a voice or are you the only voice they have? Well, I don't think they they feel very supported. They do say the management is doing whatever they can, but it's not uh, an easy one to manage. You know, a place with 300 people, and young people, you know, a lot of single people there who have parties at night in their room or whatever, you know. Um, 
and it's how do you control that and how do you tell people and, and make them understand that they have to be careful. Yeah. There is all that misinformation going around as well on social media and all those things and people don't know what to believe anymore. You know, you know, you put your finger on something mm. really important in a general sense, Rose, mm. at this point, like. Yeah. A lot of people just don't know what to believe anymore. But I guess exactly. if, Eng- if English isn't your first language, and maybe not even your second, mm. you're even more confused. Yeah, yeah. And that's why a lot of people call me as well, because I speak French, so I can explain it at yeah. least in French. Um, but yeah, it is a worry. And also, they just believe, you know, anything. If it, oh, the the stories that are going around are ridiculous, as, as you know, you know. Yeah. But um, I think something needs to be done about it seriously because uh, it's the same with the vaccine. People will go and refuse the vaccine for no reason at all. Stories like there's chips in the vaccine so they can control you oh, for God, the, the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's yeah, but we, we laugh about it. But we laugh really about it, but someone who's, whose English isn't their first language, they would, yeah. they might be frightened by it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you come from, uh, you know, there are also people who come from um, dictatorships and where people were controlled. You understand? So I do, they, I do. they hear these kind of messages and they think, oh my God, is this happening again or whatever, yeah. you know? So, I mean, it's not that they are not intelligent, it's just that they, they come from traumatic backgrounds. Yes. And that's something you should never forget. They come from places where it was normal to be pursued and yeah. normal to be followed going yeah. about your normal thing. And yeah. here they are now in a place where, okay, the conditions aren't great, but the least mm. thing they're entitled to is safety. And yeah. now they feel that they're not safe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's a real worry. And also they come from places where if they went to talk to an official person, they probably wouldn't come out of the office, you know. Yes. Uh, so it's we, we have to... They're not just um, people coming here to, to stay. They're people who've been through... Ex- dream trauma yes. and then you have to imagine all this happening again and the fear that that instills in people you okay. know okay how many people are living in direct provision in cork this christmas week rose do you know i think it's around 600 yeah around 600 people okay. and then mill street has uh, 600 on their own you know yeah. mill street it's it's very very big yeah uh, now, some people, the problem now with COVID is other years they could go and visit family or whatever or people they know. But now if they go out of uh, that provision for more than two nights, they can't come back yeah. for uh, until the pandemic is over or they have to go and self-isolate for two weeks in Dublin. So it's all very complicated. It is. And people who are working as well, um, you know, a lot of them are people who have to send money home. Yes because their family is left behind or whatever. So and they work, they'll, they'll continue working out of a sense of responsibility. Working. It'd be very hard yeah. for many of them to stop working and not get their income. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Listen, Rose, thank you very much. And I hope that it doesn't get any worse than it already is in the Kinsale Road Accommodation Centre. Nine confirmed cases there now. 300 people staying, the two to a room, that's a max there, which is a good thing. But there's no guarantee that it hasn't already spread. They are arranging testing. It's a mandatory test. They get about two days between the test and the result, which, by the way, is crazy. That should be a few hours now at this stage. I mean, Michal Martin was tested on Friday afternoon and had his result 
by the 6 o'clock news on a Friday evening. So it can be done. These are very vulnerable people. They want to test 300 of them and find out just how likely it is to have spread. Maybe they should be able to turn that over in less than 48 hours. 1857-15996. Oh my God, PJ. You put up with a lot of criticism, says this message. Thank you, John. Uh, you're telling us the science and what the facts are. Well done. Thank you. But thank you, John. Thank you. It's been a long, hard few months sitting in this chair, morning after morning, trying to filter out the science from the guff. And believe me, there's a lot of guff. Um, but uh, thank you. Messages like that make all the hard work worthwhile. Even though I don't drink, I would rather be sitting in a pub socially distanced than someone clambering over me to buy a reduced TV in the sales. The sales are going to be mayhem. Well, there's a thing now, because according to what we're hearing from the Cabinet, uh, and Sean Defoe was saying this a few minutes ago, they will keep non-essential retail open, so we won't have the kind of scenes we had a few weeks ago where parts of Tesco were cordoned off or many, many hundreds of shops had to close because they weren't deemed essential. That's going to be allowed to stay open, presumably because the Christmas sales. It's your choice whether you want to go to the Christmas sales, but they're not going to close down the shops so the Christmas sales can go ahead. Eugene says, Happy New Year to us all. Yes, today is the real start of a new year as the days start to get longer. Have no doubt about it, Eugene. Yesterday was the shortest day of the year, the solstice. And unfortunately, the weather was too bad for us to see the start of Bethlehem. It was horribly disappointing to be teetering rain and tipping down the rain last evening at the, at the appointed time so we didn't get to see it. But yesterday was the, the solstice. And effectively, yes, the start of the new uh, solar or lunar year. Thanks, Eugene. 1850 715 996. And before anyone starts on at me about midwinter's day and trying to give me the old argument of that winter only runs until Jan... No, 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 don't even go there. Don't even go there. We've had that argument and I've won it. It's winter until the end of February. Well done to Brian Clark. Brian is head chef with the Briar Rose Bar and Grill in Douglas. And because he remembers waking up as a little boy in a woman's refuge one Christmas morning, he decided that for those who'll have to do that this year, he was going to do something special. And he had a collection and he had a quiz and they are doing hampers and they are putting together presents for all the kids in those centres for Christmas. And they have raised, the last time I heard, they have raised the bones of eight and a half grand. And they'll all get a selection box and some Christmas dinner from the Briar Rose and just a huge operation uh, to make sure that everybody who needs one will have a dinner and all the children will have a selection box and a little present. And my, my buddy Finbar, who works in the Briar Rose, sent me a photograph, a wonderful photograph of the toys and the gifts that they have put together for uh, the youngsters and it, it looks like their own little small toy show there at the moment and it's just brilliant and it's great to see local businesses like that getting together for to help those who are less well off and Brian because he remembers what it was like waking up in a woman's refuge on Christmas morning missing his daddy and not understanding the situation at all and to why he'd come to be there he, he knows what that feels like and he wants to make sure that any child going through that this Christmas 
will at least have a little gift to to help. Uh, that's just a wonderful, wonderful gesture. Wonderful gesture. I was in the Briar Rose over the weekend. He was telling me about this. I was there, by the way, socially distanced and watched the rules being wonderfully observed in that and many other pubs and restaurants for whom I feel desperately sorry that they'll all have to close down again on Christmas Eve. I know where the science is. I see the reason. I understand the public health problem with it. But I don't like it any more than they do. But that's how it is. It's horrible, but that's how it is. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. That story in the news about rogue traders. That is why I have been saying here for years and I have caused hackles to raise in legitimate charities and a lot of legitimate charities don't like me saying this. I'm sorry, I will continue to say it. If my own mother turned up selling something on the front door, I wouldn't take it from her. And I know that's a very broad, sweeping statement and is probably casting unfair aspersions on many thousands of genuine people. The problem is, for every genuine salesperson, genuine service provider, genuine charity that is turning up on your doorstep, knocking on your door and looking for money or looking for you to buy a service, there is a half a dozen shysters. And every so often they get caught, and it's great when they do. I had a very pleasant conversation on my own doorstep about two weeks ago with a young lad. I felt so sorry for him. He was there representing... Crumlin Children's Hospital and that was what he had, he had the ID he had all the various accoutrements that he needed, he claimed he was absolutely genuine, you know what he probably was he probably was, but I wouldn't deal with him on the front door, I just won't and I don't think anybody should and I think legitimate charities who raise money on the front door should reconsider that Probably a whole new talking point for another day, but that's that's how I think it is. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six is the number. The text to WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Email opinion at ninety six fm dot ie. Can we mention uh, two people who are getting married today? Cormac Daly and Margaret Woods, and they're getting married today at home in Mayfield. Cormac's sister Vivian was in touch to ask us to mention them. It's a tough time for you all. We know that. We're thinking of you and wishing you all the best. All right, so Cormac Daly and Margaret Woods getting married today in Mayfield. Thinking about you. 1850-715-996. Geraldine on the coverage of COVID. Well done over the last few months, PJ. I've been working from home and have the pleasure of listening to your show every day. Following the science is the only way. We have to trust in the vaccine. And yes, the schools should be open in January. It has been proven the incidence rate is very low. Kids are not the major spreaders of the virus. We need a long-term government plan as we have to live alongside this virus for at least another year. Hope you and your family have a happy Christmas. Thank you, Geraldine, and the very same to you and to yours. 1850-715-996. Checking out on cooking the Christmas dinner later this hour with TV chef Jack O'Keefe. And any unusual thoughts on Christmas Day? Now, myself, I couldn't possibly countenance anything other than a big steaming plate of turkey and ham and a bowl of gravy and a pound of mash and a pound of Brussels. Yes, I love sprouts. I couldn't. I just, that, but lots of people do different things. 
friend of mine was considering a joint of beef this year. I looked at him if he had three heads. Beef on Christmas Day? But if you have other ideas for Christmas Day, you can also ask our TV chef about that a little bit later on this hour. 1850-715-996. And trust me, you'll be thrilled with the news we have about the letter written to Santa in 1960. But first of all, let us go to, to Aoife. Aoife, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Tell me about okay. your son, Sam. My son, Sam. Well, Sam is a three-year-old little boy um, living in Cork. Um, and he was uh, born with a, um, I, suppose, I suppose, a brain abnormality referred to as PVL. So I suppose at a, at a high level for everyone's understanding, he'd have cerebral palsy. Um, and with that, he's, there's various different complications. And one of those complications is that he would have epilepsy. Okay. Um, and the the epilepsy that he has would be quite, um, I suppose he'd, he'd need a lot of emergency medication and intervention, like a lot of children would. Is it controllable? Um, um, currently, knock on wood, since September, things Good. have been kind of Good. calm. But, you know, we're knocking away all the time there. So um, we have him on um, medication that seems to be suiting him at the moment. So Good. fingers crossed as as he gets as Good. he gets older. Um, so yeah, that's just our little boy. Yeah. Now he gets ongoing care from the brilliant people at CUH and of course at Temple Street. And I think you and the family want to say thank you. Yes. Um, so I suppose during the start of the COVID from March to September, also I went through a rough time. Um, and would have had to have been seen by the emergency services in CUH and in the past would have had to go up to Temple Street um, after being intubated and so on. And I suppose they're always there for us and they're always caring for him and they've, they've sorted him out so many times and supported um, both Sam's dad and myself during those times as well. Mm-hmm. That on a family Zoom um, back in, I suppose his last bad one was in September that we decided we'd we wanted to just kind of give something back um, right. and so we decided we'd kind of do a family challenge. So my brothers are based up in Dublin, some in Cork, one's in Dubai. So we all said that we would um, try to do a personal challenge in the hopes of raising funds for the, I suppose, the, the children's services and especially mm. the emergency children's care that we get mm. both in Cork and in Dublin, okay. in Temple Street. So. With regards to that, my brother in Dublin, in Scary, himself and his wife are going to are currently doing a swim in the sea every day. Oh, for they're hardy people. <laughs> they are, they are indeed. Um, and their son Sean is going to be joining them at weekends. Um, to and he's how old is Sean now? Sean is ten, right. so he's getting involved as well. Um, my other brother Aidan, who's based in Dublin, he's trying to do a hundred push-ups a day, um, so he's getting there. It's it's killing him, but he's getting there. <laughs> um, and in, in the support for Aidan, we have um, Sam's cousins um, Dylan and Danny doing ten push-ups or twenty push-ups a day Good. to kind of egg him on. Okay. And then for myself, I'm trying to do five k a day, so I'm breaking it up during the day of a of a run. And my little and Sam's sister Emily is going to be doing a five k cycle on weekends and during her school holidays. And so anybody having, who wants to sponsor you can go to the CUH charity website, can't they? They can, but we have a page set up on I Donate. Okay. So if you go onto the I Donate website and just search for Sam, you'll see um, a, a I suppose the name of it is Sam's Walk of Life. 
Um, so we picked that name because he loves the Dire Straits song, The Walk of Life, and this is what he's going through. He and, has and excellent taste journey. in music for a three-year-old. Oh, he does. He does. He put it on and he, he dances. He gets so excited when, when the song comes on. So we have a little video on, on the I Donate um, page as well. So we've been very successful so far in what we've raised and family and friends have been fantastic with donations. But we're also asking people who see it to obviously donate what they can um, but also to share it with their network because we really want to blow this out of the water both for Cork and for Temple Street because I suppose we're raising it for all kids not just kids with additional needs or that need I suppose the emergency services more than others it's for all children and, and that's why we're kind of going going hell for leather at it now for the 31 days. But people can donate up to the end of January. If you don't get a chance to do it today, there's plenty of time. Yeah, It must be have been particularly difficult as well, of course, uh, through all the pandemic, protecting him. Yes, yes, very much so. Like I suppose you, I suppose with having epilepsy and things like that, you just don't know how, how a, a COVID will interact with this if at all, yeah. and I suppose as we were needed to go in and out of the hospital as well, we were quite nervous, um, but we had no choice but to go in. Of but to be fair to the guys in CUH, they were suited and booted. They made sure that we were away from any potential risk area as much as they possibly could, you know, especially at the start. Sam, I think, was tested for COVID about three or four times, just as a matter of routine any time we went in there. Um, but they certainly kept us very, very safe. So we felt nervous going in, but once we got in there, we were fine. Do you know that kind of way? Um, but look, we're keeping our distance from everybody. Yeah. But luckily, Sam was able to go back to preschool, and they were excellent in his preschool with keeping him, um, keeping their pods together and so on, and his sister back in school as well. They excited so, um, for Santa? Oh, very excited. Can't wait. Literally, the countdown is on. And when he's listening to Santa on the radio with the, the guys in the morning, he gets all excited as well. That's so that's great with the elf and all. So, um, yeah. He'll dancing now. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have it on the background now and the eyes are going. <laughs> Hello, Sam. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> ah, yeah, sure. Listen, you have to find this old song from Sam's Walk of Life on I Donate. Amy, listen, or Evie, rather, happy Christmas to you and to <laughs> the whole Christmas. family. Thanks, DJ. And best of luck All to right. everybody. And young have Sam, a good one. cheers. Take care. How's it going now, Sam? <laughs> donate.ie Sam's Walk of Life. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Reminder to you, we'll be here on Christmas Eve, 9 to 12. Lots of special content in the show on that day. We'll try to keep it a COVID-free zone as much as we can, as in we'll try to stay away from the hard news of the day. If there is, however, any hard news that we need to bring you on Christmas Eve, we will do so. But we would love to stay away from it from the morning. We have guests, we have music, uh, we have all sorts of special stuff. Uh, we have a, I've asked, for example, uh, our good friend Roy Buckley. I've commissioned a song from him uh, to represent the musicians of Cork who've had a rough and a hard year, deprived of work and trying to do their best with uh, gigs online and all of that. So I asked Roy to do a little Christmas song for us and that'll be just one of the things we'll have on Christmas Eve here between 9 and 12. If there's anybody that you want us to mention, particularly on Christmas Eve, uh, just pop us an email to opinion at 96fm.ie Now, uh, a good friend of the programme is Bernard O'Hare We've talked to Bernard many many times over the years about his background, about his involvement with the uh, homeless services, about his advocacy for those in the homeless services and about the constant need for support for those people. Uh, Support of all different kinds and it's support that Bernard knows they need so well because at one time he too needed that support. Bernard has put it all down in a book now called Memories and Hope and the book has been out since the end of last week. Um, He is in Rent, the coffee shop, up the road from us here all day today, tomorrow and or tomorrow and Wednesday and then he'll be in the city in Christmas Eve signing the book but it's a lovely little book from a heck of a nice guy and I've been speaking to Bernard about it Bernard, congratulations first of all on, on the book, uh, you and I have spoken many times on the programme and I often said that fella has a book in him, he's got such a story and, and such a lot to offer, when did you decide or what what was the thing that made you decide to write it? Well, um, thank you, first of all, for having me on, PJ. Um, uh, no, I was approached a couple of months ago there by two friends, very good friends of mine, Michael Mulcahy there and uh, Lorraine O'Neill. And like yourself there, as you said, about, you know, maybe that they recognised as well that there was a story or there was, you know, something in me, you know. Um, but it's actually something I've always wanted to do ever since I was young, you know. Um, as I as as I said, we spoke so many times in the past, and I've always said about you know throwing away education. It wasn't that I didn't want one, or I didn't have hopes and ambitions or dreams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But for whatever reason, things always got in the way. 
Yeah. The book is called Memories and Hope. Yeah. Start with the memories. Yeah. See, the, well, the memories, you know, um, like I said, no, in a safe, it's kind of wor- like words with quotes. So I kind of wanted to say something about, you know, like kind of like Sligo, um, Cork, uh, you know, my mom, things like that. And that's kind of something that would just sort of, without going into a too big of a story, it kind of just summarizes what I, my feelings on that, uh, a certain word. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because for people who might know you, you were a Sligo man and who originally came to Cork and how we got talking was you ended up in the homeless services, didn't you? I did, yeah. Sum- summarise the story for, for people again. Right, well, back in 2010, I actually had a breakdown due to um, drugs and um, alcohol and there was a lot of trouble going on at the time, you know. So I basically, I ended up going away off to rehab in Italy and then when I came back to Ireland after, I think it was about seven, eight months, something like that, I didn't really have anywhere to go because of everything that was going on back home. So I ended up starting off in the hostel here in Anglesey Street there in Cork. And it kind of went from there, you know. Um, I suppose over the years, and like when I first needed help myself, you know, I approached Penny Dinners. And then I started volunteering. And it kind of just snowballed from there then, you know. Yeah. And and you established yourself as a great advocate for other people who were homeless. Now, you got yourself a place to stay, what, a year, 18 months ago? Uh, yeah, it was just over 18 months ago, all right, yeah. Near two years ago now, um, a much better conditioned flat than the last one, you know. It was, it was um, f- about five years in a very, a very small place. I had no choice but to take it at the time, you know. But, um, yeah, no, I like to advocate and raise awareness on behalf of homelessness because, like, again, I know what it's like. You, you've been there and done that, as it were. Yeah, exactly, you know, and it's, it's, it's for me, there's a difference, uh, in, in, I suppose, in how I approach it because it's, it's different when you're on the outside, but when you're actually in it and experience it, like I've seen just about the worst of the worst sides of it, I've seen the best sides of it, I've met some great people, I've... You know, coming down with some bad one too. You know what I'm trying to say to you. Yeah. But what what I like to do is just get people's stories out there because it's something that I've always said that their voices aren't listened to half enough. And I think if we actually focus on that, then a lot would change and stop in a revolving door. So that's another reason why I kind of wanted to raise awareness. You know. Yeah, the memories. That's that covered. The hope then, because you've always been a positive guy, and even when you've had your own troubles, your own mental health struggles, and all that, you've always held on to that positivity. Yeah, it's something I've always kind of held on to throughout my life. I I try to hope, um, try to build on hope all the time. It hasn't always been easy. Um, I suppose that started when I was younger. You know, sort of you know self harm and things like that. And then, of course, over the teen years drugs and then in the early 20s trouble you know um i suppose even in the last couple of years here now even in the last year or two we've gone through an awful lot like as you know yourself i've had lost friends um my mum passed away this year and to be honest with you it came at the right time this offer and this is what i'm saying about hope because sometimes it comes in the most unexpected places when michael and lorraine approached me i wasn't in a very good place um I haven't been out in the street runs in a couple of months uh, between grief from losing friends and then my mum and just other personal stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and as, again, this is something that I've always wanted to do. 
So it just it just came out of nowhere, really, and a, a very good time. Obviously, not getting into it too much, PJ. If you know yourself, just respecting the topic, but sure. I have str- I struggle with you know mental health, um, depression, anxiety, and so- self harm sometimes too when it gets bad. So I mean, again, that's another reason for hanging on and not giving up. Yeah. And I can't do that without you know without reaching out and asking for help. Yeah, I did an interview with you myself for my own podcast earlier in the year, and at that stage, your mum was unwell, and you you were so anxious to get to see her and and to be with yeah. her as much as you possibly could. Yeah, it was my first time home there in almost ten years until I, until last Christmas when she well you know when we found out that there was nothing more they could do for her, so it was just about um, I suppose spending as much time together and. You know, and like you said, we done the podcast and we chatted more. And you know yourself, some of the personal stories too. It was it was emotional going home, but I never realised just how proud she was of me until I went home. And then actually, when she passed away, that I had people coming up to me saying it. Oh, your mum was always on about you with the late late show or the nationwide, or you know, just even been on you know with Paul Byrne there and the news sometimes, and you know, with yourselves with the radio station. You know, so I, I never re- realised it as much, you know, that sort of way. What did it mean to you to, to hear that? It meant it meant a while because I, again, I've said this in posts recently, like I did let her down an awful lot, um, um, broke promises, I, I let my family down, you know, I've done some bad things in my life, I've cheated, lied, stolen, and got involved in drugs, so to hear... Um, that she was so proud and that she always loved me and that my family support me means the world because as I said I've threw away my education I've threw away everything else now when I'm doing this with memories and hope I don't want to compare myself to anyone else but I hope it inspires you know to get to a place like that I was just going to ask you actually what do you hope people how, what do you hope the reaction of people will be when they pick up the little book and go through it but I, I hope they're kind of not saying shocked as in the sense that I wasn't capable of it because I think I've, you know, proved that I've achieved quite a bit in the last couple of years. Um, but I hope that it'll give more sort of appetite for more, if you know what I'm saying. What else is he capable of doing in, this, in terms of, saying writing a book or, you know, pocket books like that? Now, we have other dreams and ambitions, but I kind of hope that it leaves people wanting more or wanting to see more, mm. you know, yeah, because I've said before, and I said it to Terry when we were setting up this conversation, because Terry's new to the building, as you know, and he didn't know who yeah. you were. And I, and I said, Bernard's got a long and a colourful and a fascinating story. Uh, and I'm delighted. And this is personal for me to you, Bernard. I'm delighted that you've yeah. written it down. And I'm delighted that you got the book out because uh, you have so much to offer. You always had. You see, it wasn't always over the years, PJ. No, no, I really appreciate that, you know, and I don't always see that. You know, you could give me... I'm great at trying to help everyone else or at least making an effort, but when it comes to me, we've talked about this a lot, that when it comes to me, I look in the mirror, it's not what I'm projecting. Then, do you know that sort of way? I do. You do it for others, but you don't think you're doing it for yourself. Yeah, you know, and another... Again, there's another great way of actually, what they call it, um, that another great aspect, a positive aspect about this is that my first place where I'm going book signing now from tomorrow is was in the local community after I got my first, um, what they call it, bedsit after the hostel. The last time I was in, you know, within the hostels as well. And I became great friends with all the locals. 
and um, so that's another kind of positive too. I just think it's it feels to me like it was meant to, it, this was meant to happen because I know I talk about mental health and stuff in videos, but like everyone else, I've really struggled this year, and our mum's funeral then was you know delayed over COVID, and there was just so much going on with personal life. And I, you know me, I'm not vain or I don't ask for much for doing it. I hope this comes out right, that finally I want something for myself that I can go on and build a future, you know, buy my own equipment to do my podcast or little channel or website, you know, start a little small business and reach back and pull someone else up. But just for once, I'd like to try and do something that no one can take from me. You are completely and totally entitled to that. Absolutely entitled to that. And grab that with both hands. Yeah. It's hard to say it right, like, because I don't want to come across... Yeah, look, I'd say straight up, I need all the support I can get. But at the same time, I'd I'd rather people know why I'm doing it or whatever else, you know? Well, well, you know what? Let's hope that the book is chapter one and that there's a lot more to come. And I wish you a very happy Christmas, my friend. And and I wish you every success possible in 2021. I'd just like to say that um, I wanted to thank Rand uh, Rand Coffee Shop on St. Luke's Cross for becoming the first place to offer the help with the book signing and also be an outlet to sell the books for me. I'd like to thank them for all their support over the years as well. And I can put up details on the Facebook page I have as well. And we'll share them for you. Bernard, good luck with it. Thank you so much. Have a great day and thank you for the opportunity. Of all the people that I have interviewed uh, on this show, and I've been on this show now for seven years for February, very few have impressed me and moved me more. Then Bernard O'Hare. What a guy. And I wish him so much success with his book and whatever else it is that he wants to do in 2021. Special guy. Congratulations on the book, Bernard. Uh, all this about social distancing. Uh, Jens is wondering, could we not rename that to physical distancing? Social has an element of isolation. Jens, take you right back to the very early days of this. When the term social distancing first came into our our language, to our, our vocabulary, there was some people who said, actually, better to call it physical distancing. But by the time social distancing had established itself and got put on all the posters and put on all the stickers and got into our heads, physical distancing, it was a bit too late then to get that name into our heads. But I agree with you. Physical distancing sounds a lot better than social distancing. Social distancing, if you want, sounds a little bit anti-social. But thank you for that, Jens. On door-to-door charities. Uh, This is Anne in Clarot. Thanks, Anne. I totally agree with PJ in relation to charities sending people door-to-door. I have my chosen charities. I give as much as I can. I genuinely feel sorry for reps going from door-to-door, but it's no longer safe to open your door to strangers. Great programme. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Anne. And Callie. Ah, oh, hi, Callie. Hi, Callie. How is my how is my pal? Being in and out of level five has changed nothing for people in hospitals, says Callie. You can't go into them. You have to hand in the necessities and a staff member has to give it to them. My daughter has been in there for six weeks and it's very sad. People should think of them. It's not just a matter of whether you can go into a restaurant or not. And Callie... Callie's daughter is Lauren, Lauren Walsh. Uh, you can follow her, Stripes for Life, my EDS journey on all the major platforms. I remember Lauren was due on this programme 
for 10 minutes a few years ago. And we ended up chatting, the two of us, for an hour. And we stayed in touch since, although I haven't really been in contact that much in the last few months because Lauren has been very, very unwell. And I have been dying for a chance to get down and see her her new home in, in Passage and meet the lovely Archie, her dog and all that. But it's just not, not been possible. So my thoughts are with my, my young friend, Lauren, who will be spending yet another Christmas in hospital. And uh, Callie, please, when you're talking to her, please, if she hasn't heard this, please pass on my best wishes. 1850-715-996. Right, Christmas cooking. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. A new series of online performances from the bars of Clonakilty has begun and will feature the likes of Lima Wainley, Mary Coughlin, 10 past 7 and more. To watch them and find out more about upcoming events, check out dabara.ie. Cypress Avenue's Winter Songs is a series of 33 performances at the Cork venue featuring some of the best contemporary Irish acts on the scene. Jack L's junior brother, Lyra, Moncrief and the Zen Arcade are just some of the names that will be featured on the venue's social media platforms in January. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96FM. Right, the TV chef from Ireland, AM, Jack O'Keefe. Jack, good morning to you. Good morning. How is everybody? Ah, sure, not too bad now, sir. And only a couple of days away from the the, the most important meal of the year, so they say. <laughs> now, I, I may tell you, in my house, I'm not allowed boil water. I really am not. So it'll be the Queen Bee will be doing most of it. I'm, if I'm allowed to slice the carrots, then that'll be a privilege. But then I, I don't get let's slice the carrots. I end up robbing the raw ones. Would you uh, believe I'm not allowed to cook at home on Christmas Day either anymore? Really? Oh, ever since this... Um, it's like burning down of a house. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's very... I didn't burn down the house. I just set the cooker area on fire trying to flambe a pheasant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Please tell me the, feather, the feathers were gone off the pheasant at that stage. <laughs> oh, they certainly were, yeah. It had been hung and everything for a week. God. My granddad had been have a, have a tutor, so he always gives me a, a piece of game every year, and right. that's my treat for Christmas. And I, I accidentally... Uh, Put a little bit too much brandy into the pan. Ah, yes, yes. Better off putting that into yourself. But anyway, you you just mentioned pheasant there. I'm a stickler for the turkey and ham. It's just got to be the turkey and ham for me. But what other things do people like to have? Is is beef becoming more of a thing? Look, it is in a way. Yeah, it is. Especially a rib roast of beef. Um, Look... uh, Turkey and ham is the traditional. It's what's sentimental. It's what brings you back to your childhood the minute you smell it when you wake up Christmas morning and you smell the clove, the honey, and the cinnamon, and it's all roasting away in the oven. But a lot of today's generation almost prefer to treat themselves to something that they never have or they can't afford for the rest of the year. So they have that one bougie meal that they 
love in their favourite restaurant that they'll have once a year and they'll treat themselves to it at home. So like whether it's a fillet steak or a beef wellington or a, a rib roast steak or a cowboy steak. A lot of people nowadays are getting very big into Christmas barbecuing and they're taking inspiration from what's going on in Australia, New Zealand, uh, Texas, uh, deep South America. You know, For Christmas, Christmas barbecue, coming. Jack, in this weather? Oh, sure, look, throw on the parka jacket, woolly hat, gloves. Well, I suppose the, the, the public health doctors would love you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm thinking more in terms of keeping the barbecue going. Oh, well, wet, yeah. That's wet charcoal doesn't burn well, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it does not. And after the fourth bottle of wine, you tend to forget about the charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I I remember a few years ago during a power cut. All right, someone I know barbecued. Uh, oh, you look. You had to do it. Survival, bear grill style. Ain't that the ain't that the truth? Let's let's start with the basics of the the turkey and ham, though. Turkey and any kind of poultry, but turkey is is a very subjective thing. I like mine to be a particular way. Others like theirs to be a particular way. Is is turkey and particularly breast meat, is that supposed to be bone dry when you're eating it? And if you want to avoid it being bone dry, how can you do that? Well, you have to be, you have to be, I have to be careful here now because the mammy is listening on the radio. So I don't want to hang myself here. <laughs> no, the breast should not be bone dry. It depends on the moment. You obviously compliment the person who cooks it and tells them it's absolutely perfect and it's nice and you cover it with loads of gravy. But no, it should not be, uh, it should not be bone dry. The key to turkey is is to keep it as simple as possible. Don't overcomplicate your life. My favourite way of doing turkey, and this is the way I would have done turkey in restaurants for years, um, is I, I, what I do is a thing called dry brining. And that basically is a fancy term for I season the turkey a day before I cook it or two days before I cook it. So what I'll do is I'll take, my, I'll buy my turkey from a local butcher shop or I love the, I love being home in Cork and it's just, it's stunning to hear such a refreshing accent down the phone again and I love pottering Trends English Market, getting my turkey, coming home with it I always pick a small enough turkey. I don't go crazy with huge, big dinosaurs of things. Yeah, uh, that used to be a thing years ago. I'm having, I'm having a twenty-four pound turkey. How many are coming yeah. for dinner? I just myself. Forget the Celtic tiger with the Celtic turkey. <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it all on the credit card. Some, about some of them should have been down in Photo Wildlife Park as eagles. <laughs> the eagles, yeah, these things are pterodactyls. They're massive. <laughs> Pumped with, I don't know how they are feeding these turkeys. I think they were getting fed the same the same feed as the front row for Munster Rugby. <laughs> the, the ideal, I mean, the ideal turkey for for a family of four or five or a, a dinner is what? Would you so, say what? Four or I'd five prob- kilos? Yeah, four and a half to six kilos is tons, especially for all those Christmas sambos for the coming days after, and all the different pies and concoctions that you can make with all the leftover turkey. But that'd be a what? About a twelve pound to fourteen pound turkey. That's in about normal enough so like I'd always go I always measure everything in kilos so for me it'd be about 4.5 to 5 kilos of turkey is ideal and look it cooks in a reasonable time as well and it's going to fit in your oven because most domestic ovens can't take these dinosaurs you know <laughs> they want to cut in cut in yeah. Yeah. they're buttering it up and trying to shove it into the into the oven they're the wife, the wife has her foot in it and she's pushing and the husband is holding the wife and it's just a disaster. <laughs> and it probably, I think, you know where that came from, Jack? Was, like you said, people used to buy in pounds. They're now going in for a 14 and they're getting a 14 kilo turkey. <laughs> you know when the turkey's coming out in the back of a forklift, you know you've, you've messed up and it's a bit too big. Like, yeah. To get, it, to get it perfect, there's a few ideas came in. Um, obviously, you don't want it to brown too quickly because no. it'll be browned on the outside and have raw on the inside. So, do you, is is there a thing about wrapping it in foil? 
No, I actually don't. I leave it uncovered. So what I do is, we say tomorrow now on the twin, on the 23rd, I will get, take my turkey out of the fridge and I'll get about a half a cup of coarse sea salt. Now, it has to be sea salt. It can't be table salt because table salt is way too salty and too strong. So I get coarse sea salt. I'll mix that coarse sea salt with about a tablespoon of light brown sugar. So that's about a half a cup of sea salt, a tablespoon of light brown sugar. Mm. I mix that together and then I dust it over all of the turkey's skin, the legs, into all the, the crevices, etc. And then I'll put that back into the fridge, open, unwrapped, if you have space. Look, if you don't have space in your fridge, find the coldest room in your house, um, you know, like a, a pantry or tiddy room. Generally, that's in this time of year. Look, most most back rooms or back kitchens or even if you have a, a well-sealed shed, it's going to be safe. You know, the only thing you have to be conscious of is you have a cat or a dog that can reach it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but I'll leave that overnight. So for about 12 hours. And the next day, Christmas, Christmas Eve, I'll take my turkey out of the fridge I won't even brush off the salt. I'll leave it. I just won't season it again. Now, I'll have a few sticks of butter that I've left come up to room temperature so it's spreadable. I'll take that butter. I'll mush it around in my hands and I'll separate. I'll put my slide my hands in between the skin and the meat all around the turkey. You'll, you'll see your favourite celebrity chefs on TV doing this. If, if, if the audience wants to look up on YouTube and say, Jamie Oliver, Christmas recipes, etc. Mm. You'll see the technique of brush of pushing the butter in between the skin and oh. the breast meat. And what that does is it keeps the meat moist. So as the turkey heats up in the oven, that butter will melt, go deep, deep into the meat. And, you know, being from Cork and being proud, from a, a proud North Cork man, you know, butter is everything. Ah, yeah. <laughs> ah, jeez. Don't mind any, any of your old spreads now. This but, no, but the real thing has to be butter the turkey and then nice, then nice and slow. Um, straight away question. I bought a fresh turkey crown on Sunday, 20th December. Best before is 27th. Is it safe that I keep it in the fridge till 24th when I cook it? Oh, yeah, super. Like, the best before date like, is an advisory thing. Use your nose, use your eyes, smell it. It will be perfectly fine up until the 27th, and it's perfect to cook it on the 24th. And remember as well, once it's cooked, you extend its shelf life by three to four days. I see, I see. And and per per kilo then, how many minutes per kilo? Is it still half an hour per kilo and half an hour for the oven? Generally, I will go at about... Mm, I rarely ever weigh the turkey. I'll tell you why, because I just find it too awkward to... You're trying to figure out the weight of turkey, then you're doing the math in your head, and everybody's oven is different. So it's unfair for me to come on and say... This temperature, this amount of time, that's it. My best advice is to anyone, and I know things are tight nowadays with everything that's going on and the economy, but if someone can pop into town, into any of the amazing cookware shops that are in the city or in Matten Point or wherever, and pick themselves up a digital temperature probe, you'll pick one up for a tenner. Anywhere between 10 euro to 20 euro, you'll pick one up. And it's the easiest piece of equipment ever. You put the turkey in, and let's say you have a two-hour cooking time on it. Mm. So at an hour and a half, you then probe it, and you're looking for 65 degrees Celsius. So the Food Safety Authority in Ireland tell us that food is safe once it reaches 75 to 76 degrees Celsius. So that is well done, very well done. Whereas a rare steak would be 55 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So you can get all these charts online or the figures, but just remember that 65. Okay. So bring, cook your turkey to 65, take it out of the oven, and leave it rest for 30 minutes at minimum. And the bone inside in the turkey is still roasting hot. That bone will continue to, to cook, cook the, meat. the rest of the yeah. meat. And that's how you get this turkey. That when you slice into it, you'd look at it and go, Christ, I could juice that. Yeah, yeah, um, brilliant. That's my main piece of advice. The other thing I'd always do is I take my turkey, brush it with the butter, and then Christmas morning, I bang it into the oven. 
at 230 degrees Celsius or, two tw- or 220, the highest. Well, most ovens will go to 225, 230, yeah. but 220 is perfectly fine. Put it into the oven at that. Oven's preheated. No more salt because I've loaded the salt on it. And I cook that for 30 minutes at 225. It gets nice and brown. Halfway through that first 30 minutes, I actually open the door of the oven and I turn the turkey around in its tray so it gets an even colour. Because remember, a lot of ovens at home wouldn't be as powerful as ours in restaurants. So you need that nice rotation of hot air going around the turkey so you get an even colour. An even colour. After 30 minutes at a high temperature, I take the turkey out of the oven, I reduce the temperature to 150 degrees Celsius, Mm. and I brush the turkey in a mix of sherry vinegar, maple syrup, Worcestershire sauce, a uh, few sprigs of rosemary, a uh, few little bits of garlic clove, and a few bits of orange zest. So I just pop into a saucepan together, yeah. mix it all together, put it on a heat, bring it to a simmer so it kind of starts to turn into a little bit of a syrup, yeah. and I brush it onto the turkey. No wonder she doesn't let you cook at home on Christmas Day. There'd be a queue oh, up the road. There'd be a queue <laughs> up the road of people wanting a, wanting a sniff. Listen, very quickly before I move to other things besides the turkey, are you a fan of Crown or Boned and Rolled? Uh, I love the crown. Uh, look, anything with a bone in it, the bone is just what gives it all the flavour and it's more traditional. The boned and rolled are stunning. They look well on the table and they're excellent, especially if you're, own, if you're a younger couple or you're uh, a parent of one young child. You know, a bone and roll is perfect and there's no waste in it. But the crown gives you that sentimental roasting smell yeah. that you expect yeah. Christmas morning. Absolutely. Now, um, there's, with regard to the veg, now I... Uh, people look at me with three heads when I say this. I love Brussels sprouts. Oh, I live in them. But there's a secret. you got to boil them in the ham water. That's a good one. That's a, very, that's a, that's a really good traditional technique is cooking them in the leftover ham water. Uh, and it's stunning. Why, why, why is the humble Brussels sprout, why do people look at it as if it came from another planet? I've no idea. I call them baby cabbages. <laughs> it's just I don't know people love cabbage but they just tend to hate Brussels sprouts and I think it's from childhood I suppose of just eating bad Brussels sprouts while they're growing up yeah they were, they were they were boiled and boiled and boiled until they literally mushed into a spoon I'll tell you what you're supposed you to be able to bite them like you're supposed to, look we, we evolved with a jaw and teeth for a reason you yeah. know to be able to chew our food but I, t- I don't even boil my Brussels sprouts I just quarter them peel off all the dirty skin from the outside I just quarter raw Brussels sprouts I heat up a frying pan, mm. and I saute them from raw in the saucepan with either good. lard, duck fat, or what I'll generally do is I'll cook off a load of salty bacon in the morning for breakfast, or like pancetta, and mm. I'll keep all that bacon fat, and I'll cook the Brussels sprouts in the bacon fat. And I almost burn them. Yeah. Like the pan is as hot as it oh, would be for cooking a steak. Them. I can taste them. And the house smells delicious, and you get, you get these kind of... It's like a Brussels sprout. Nice and soft in the centre, nice and smoky from the bacon fat, but also all the skin on the outside peels up a little bit and kind of flowers out like a rose, yeah. and it goes crispy. So it's like a Brussels sprout wrapped Fabulous. in tables. Fabulous, but definitely the ham water works, and that's that's the Queen Bee's idea. She started doing it a couple of years ago, and the the, the, the taste is just so much different. Should we worry much about stuffing? Is it just put the simple one together or what? Um, I don't mind stuffing. I could take it or leave it, but again, it's a sentimental thing, I suppose. I tend not to stuff the turkey. I know a lot of people think that's wasteful, but I don't like the idea of filling the cavity of turkey. I like the whole idea that the hot air can go into the centre of the turkey, rotate around the inside, and you get an even cooking. I'll always cook my stuffing as a tray, as a bake. Like I'll use a, a one pound loaf tin that you'd use for brown bread. I'll make my stuffing mix. I'll line my loaf tin with bacon, with streaky bacon or parma ham. And I pop my stuffing mix in 
and I seal it up, wrap it in tinfoil, and I bake it off until it's like a solid, almost Lovely. like a terrine or a meatloaf almost. Yeah. And that's brilliant because the next day, you just slice off these slices of stuffing, which is nice and set and cold, and you pan fry it with a little bit of butter, you put it between two slices of lovely yeah. sourdough that you picked up in the English market, cover it with some mozzarella or brie, toast it in the oven, and you'll have the most awesome, dirtiest dishes ever. We'll all be we'll all be in a heart clinic in the start of the new year. But you listen, it's 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 Christmas. Uh, Terry wants to know, uh, and I was telling him about this a while ago. Mike can remember my mother. Um, and the pigs and blankets many, many years ago. Are they a thing in Ireland now, or is it just an English thing that came here? The, the pigs and blankets are always going to be a thing. They're always going to be that thing that, that features in the, the in the house party, in the kind of the cocktail party that you have when, I suppose, the day will never come when I grow up. No, <laughs> oh God, don't, when, don't. No, don't, don't. When, you ha- when you have your friends over for a few bottles of wine, the pigs and blankets are always this kind of fancy flashback to the 1980s, aren't they? they are. this, this, Do you know what they call them in Scotland? What? We Celtic soldiers. <laughs> I found that on the trivia website at the weekend. And that's lovely. We Celtic soldiers, they call. Them. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Yeah. So, would you use a bag finally for bone and roll right now? Would I use a, a, a bag? bag for bone and roll turkey? No, I wouldn't. I like the dry roast. I like the turkey. I like the meat to take on the flavour of the oven and to get that nice brown caramelised effect. The bag, like the bag, is beautiful. Is, is the, the cooking the bag stuff is great. Um, but what I would do is I'd cook it in the bag, follow the instructions, but undercook it a little bit, then remove it from the bag and put it back into a super hot oven right. and get it nice and brown for the finish. Because, look, we eat with our eyes. And yes. if you see this beige-looking meat coming out here, you yeah. just don't feel... No, no. You don't. You, 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 years ago, we used to be told in, in fine dining and classical, in classical French cooking when we were learning how to cook years ago, we were told that you browned off meat at the start of the cooking process to lock in the moisture. Oh, it was proven by scientists about a decade ago that that was all made up. Quickly, <laughs> what quickly. happens is when, when you see a caramelised steak, your mouth waters. Yes, very, very, very quickly. The perfect roast. How do you get that crispy shell and that lovely fluffy interior? Go into a cook shop or a TK Maxx and buy a big cast iron, cast iron frying pan, a huge one. Put it on a gas, hot, gas, gas hob, get it super hot. When I mean super hot, your fire alarm is going off, it's so hot. Then get your roast, your housekeeper, your silver side, whatever it is, or your ribs, brown it on the pan the same way you'd brown a steak. Get it super crispy in that pan. You know, the pan, the, the spuds. Bang it into the oven at 160 to finish it off. The best roast spuds with that lovely crispy outside. Oh, the best roast spuds. So boil this, I boil the spuds, I qu- cut them into quarters, boil them till they're almost cooked all the way through, strain off all the water, put a lid in the saucepan then shake that pot and you get them all fluffed up on the inside. Yes. Drizzle in some oil, coat them in oil, have your oven tray already in the oven, screaming hot. Take your oven tray out, big dollop of duck fat or goose fat into the tray, chuck in the spuds, give them a quick shake, into the oven for about 30 minutes, halfway through, shake them every now and then, just can, to make sure they get an even coat. I can smell them. Jack, I'm out of here because I'll be sacked. I'm so late. <laughs> Happy Christmas to you and yours. Merry Christmas. Cheers. That's Jack O'Keefe. Hope we got some ideas. We're waiting. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Ah, here. Ah, here. Yellow rain warning. My back garden is already a sea of mud. We've had to change the way that we park the car outside. Because all we've got is a lock of water and muck on one side of it. And I was out putting up some lights in the back garden 
yesterday some nice little lights in the back garden and I had to change two pairs of shoes, one putting them out and the second pair after I straightened them. Oh, 1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Eugene says the best roast potatoes cook them from raw in fright. Can you even get Freitex anymore? I haven't seen Freitex in a long time. Thanks, huge. PJ, if you're stuck, throw a couple of rashers in the water if you not have to boil in the ham when you're cooking the sprouts. Thanks, Helen. Rashers in the water. Yeah. 1850-715-996. On COVID. Message from a concerned mother. There's a confirmed case in our school and more pending. I'm terrified for kids' grandparents who've now been exposed. We were careful and followed guidelines while visiting, but it's upsetting to think we might have exposed them after school. Schools should not have opened this week. Wishing you a safe Christmas, says that message. Will the schools close today? So far, so far, we believe that they will open as normal on the 4th of January. That is the message from Norma Foley, the Minister for Education. That is the message from Taoiseach Michal Martin. The Chief Medical Officer was asked yesterday what he thought and he kind of gave an answer along the lines of we keep an eye on the data. But at the moment, schools will reopen as normal after the Christmas. That's how it is. The announcement of what is happening hasn't come yet. As Sean Defoe said earlier on, we expected these things are coordinated very carefully for the one o'clock news, particularly the one o'clock television news. So you can probably expect that announcement to be before one o'clock or just after it. And it will be that all pubs and restaurants are to close, gastropubs and restaurants are to close in the afternoon of... Christmas Eve, that the hairdressers are gone as well, a lot of other different outlets gone, museums and things like that gone as of Christmas Eve for the foreseeable, uh, that the travel ban, the inter-county travel ban will be back from the 27th of December you'll, you'll get to visit another county for Christmas Day and probably Stephen's Day as well, but that you've got to be back in your own county and stay in your own county after the 27th, the travel ban between here and the UK will be extended until New Year's Eve, we believe, at this stage. All this announcement is pending. It's being discussed in Cabinet as we speak. The situation with the guys of the North, uh, they voted in Stormont last night. It was a Sinn Féin motion to ban flights into Belfast Airport from the UK, but that was voted down by Arlene Foster and her people. So at the moment... There still is a back entrance, if you weren't, into the Republic of Ireland through Belfast Airport. And sweet, nothing we can do about it at this stage. We'll find out more about that, if there is any more about that. And if we get anything before 12, we'll bring it to you. 1850-715-996. I have mentioned some of the lovely shows that are online. And it's been an awful year for the entertainment industry. It really has. And we have no panto on this year, but we've got some panto stuff online. We haven't had a live gig in months. But over the period of the last few months, people have been deciding to, let's just get a show on. We'll put a show on screen and we'll get a show performed because people want to be entertained and the entertainers want to work. And how can we do that? Well, let's get the entertainers to do a show Let's get the show on screen. Let's get a, a, 
a link that people can buy for a tenner and they can watch the show in their own homes safely and socially distanced and all of that. And a lot of great shows are working that way now. One of them being the Everyman Christmas Songbook, which has been a tradition of theirs for years. I'm joined by Linda Kenny and my old buddy, Alf McCarthy. Good morning, guys. How are we? Good morning, PJ. Great to hear from you. I'm delighted to talk to you guys again. Linda, how many years is the songbook going on now? Would you believe we're in our 17th year, PJ? Oh. 17 years. I know. We started out 17 years ago as the uh, Sunday Night of the Palace. And uh, then we morphed into the Everyman Sunday Songbook. So, yeah, 17 years of the Everyman. And then about three years ago, Alf joined us um, and we went out on the road. And so now we've taken our songbook um, all around Ireland. And it's, it's really lovely to think that it has a life outside of Cork as well as in Cork. The Christmas one is a special one, though. Very special. We love it. And, you know... This year is so odd, obviously, for lots of reasons. But um, normally this Christmas songbook will be sold out in October and, the, the you know, the excitement of it and the energy of it is always so um, fabulous. So it is strange. But, you know, the Everyman have gone out of their way to make it a beautiful setting. Um, we filmed it and we... Um, to kind of trying to recreate some of that sing-along vibe because we use a giant screen, we project yeah. the lyrics and, you know, there's always this interactive element between us and the audience. That fourth wall is completely broken down. And so in order to try and recreate that in some sort of way, the Everyman are sending out a virtual programme with the song lyrics. So you can print that home and you can have your own sing-along. And you can, while you're watching it, it's obviously a shorter program. Normally we'd have like a two-hour show, so it's a 70-minute program. And so we thought it was a really nice idea for families to do, you know, like originally I thought maybe you could invite in your friends, but of course now that's not going to be possible. But you know that, you know, like a lot of our audiences maybe not technically proficient. I know I'm a, a complete technophobe, so for me this kind of move online was... Um, a big, a big psychological yeah. challenge. But um, you know, this is something that we'll say the younger generation can do to help the older generation, give them that gift, and then sit and watch it with them. Yeah. I was um, watching the um, the Opera House show over the yeah. weekend. I'll bring in young Mister McCarthy there. I was watching the I Opera House you. show over the weekend. <laughs> Alf performing in an empty theatre yeah. must yeah. be more difficult than than performing in a full one. Well, as you know, PJ, I've lived, I've lived in my head for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, and as for uh, three comes Kenny there with the uh, technology, uh, wh- we get together and basically we're, we're friends. We have become very close and wonderful friends. We get together like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Let's put on a show. And um, once we're on stage, we're on stage. Uh, one of the great elements, of, of course, is the sing-along aspect. And we do miss that, to have somebody physically there interacting because you, you feed off that. There's an energy off that when you're doing yeah. a show. Mm. But still, the show is so strong. It's, it's very well written by our good friend, Cahill McCabe, who, you, who was involved with 2FM and Lyric yeah. and Downtown and Belfast and all that. Uh, one of the great men of broadcasting. And he wrote and directed this show. And it's um, Andy Williams is our focus this year, but last year was Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and mm. Val Dunigan. So um, we use some of their hits, and then we inter 
packed with uh, Christmas hits. And we just have a blast. Yeah. You know, it, it's great fun to do. Great yeah. fun. And getting getting a ticket is, is easy enough. You go on the Everyman website, don't you? Mm-hmm. And you buy it there and there's a link. And then they'll send a link to a phone or wherever you want to watch it. You ever want to watch it? So, when was it? Yes, Linda. The the, the wonderful thing about this um, enterprise by the Everyman this year is that, um, in acknowledgement of, we say, the busy uh, pressures on people's lives, and in acknowledgement of, we say, maybe our audience who might be of an older generation and might want to watch it at a particular time on a particular day. They've basically made it available to them up till the end of December. So they can watch it yeah. any time up yeah. to the end of December. You buy a YouTube and link, basically. That's what you basically. do. Basically. Yeah. And yeah. they can watch it any number of times. You know, so if they love it, they can watch it again with another set of people. Uh, so I, I, do, I do think that, you know, everyone has kind of had to adapt. And I thought that was a very innovative way from the theatre to react to the the prevailing conditions which are constantly changing and to, you know, acknowledge the audience that is there as well. I, I, I thought it was a wonderful idea. So okay. it's great that it has some sort of longevity. So so when is it available from, Alf? It's available now and it's been up uh, since the 14th and it will run until the 31st. And um, just to pick up on something that you mentioned there in your introduction there, uh, PJ, yeah, it has been a terrible year for theatre and people putting on productions and this year we were expanding our repertoire and we were expanding uh, the amount of venues that we would go to we've been to Burr in Offaly we've been to the NCH in Dublin we were looking at Sheemsa in uh, Tralee up to Bantir uh, and we had to put all that on hold but we're looking forward to 2021 the vaccine is on the way and hopefully that will get us back out into the a great populace again and people mm-hmm. can interact with the shows well, I'm, delighted is, to see, I'm delighted to see that it's up there but PJ, yeah. the other thing is that is really interesting is that we recorded that show, but this show then was virtually sold on to other theatres. So um, even though we would normally have been travelling up to these theatres, now the audiences in the Civic in, in Tala and in Burr, for example, can actually access the show on their websites. So even though the physical world has shrunk and and nothing will ever replace that interaction that we have with our audiences, nothing. You know, at the end of every every concert, we meet our audiences out in the foyer and they hug and they kiss us and shake hands. And, you know, we have that huge connection and and we we totally miss that. There's no Yeah, I miss all the kisses, I can tell you, Lindy. I'm going to yell flirt, yell divin, you go on. Even though the physical world has shrunk, the virtual world has kind of opened up and and potentially, like our our Vera Lynn show, which is one that's very dear to our hearts, and we we were supposed to do that in the week of lockdown in fact we had sold it out in Chimster we were in the National Concert Hall in the main hall that week we were in the Civic and Tala and, and um, we actually are still going to do it and hopefully virtually Fantastic. put it on but, but, but with the potential of doing it in the UK and we'd be doing this like we, we had a, a promoter that wanted to tour us in the UK but like it wasn't possible for us to go over you know because other people have proper jobs unlike myself and Al they have proper jobs so they shouldn't go great all right listen to you both uh, congratulations and good to catch up again and hopefully do it for real at some time very very soon when we get rid of this plastic thing could I say one last thing to you for anyone who is um 
doing nothing tonight. There's a beautiful concert going up tonight and it's absolutely free. It's being uploaded to YouTube. It's um, Imagination, Carols by Candlelight from Caragaline Church with the City of Cork Symphony Orchestra. I mentioned it last night. Yeah, my friend Anthony Fleming Johnny. is doing the video. It'll oh, be brilliant. Anthony has done a fantastic job. It, it, it is doing a fantastic job. It will be absolutely gorgeous. It's free. And if anyone feels moved, we would love that they would donate to our okay. chosen charities, which are um, St. Vincent de Paul and Caroline Lions uh, Youth Club. But it will be absolutely gorgeous. Once it's up, of course, you can tune in at yeah. any point. But it's going live at 9. That was one of the legacies of my, of my dear departed friend, James O'Sullivan, who, yeah. who put that show together many years that's ago. Right, Linda right. and Alf, thank you very, very much, both of you. Linda Kenny and the great Alf McCarthy uh, behind the Everyman Christmas songbook, which which is go to the Everyman website. All the instructions are there. I think it costs 10 or 12 quid for the YouTube link. You can watch it as many, many times as you like. And like I said last week, if you've got a laptop uh, or one of these cast things, but particularly a laptop that's got a HDMI socket in it, uh, just plug that into one of the HDMIs on the telly and technology will work its magic and you'll be watching the show on the big screen. It's brilliant. 1850-715-996. Also, could we mention St. Brendan's Girls National School in the Glen? They did their school concert on YouTube. The parents and supporters all enjoyed it. It's still up there on YouTube if we'd like some nice, uplifting viewing. If we knew what to look for, it'd be great. Can you mention that back to us? That'd be nice. Uh, spitting. D was on to say, could you please ask the men of the city to stop spitting as they walk along and remind them spitting is what spread TB and other contagious diseases. Thanks for that message. Uh, a caller said some SNAs. Now, this only going by what we're told on the phone here. I don't want to be seen as spreading rumours, but the person was adamant. Some of the SNAs that this person knows have already gotten a text saying it's possible they will not be back in January. Well, nothing official. Officially, the official advice is the schools will return as normal in January regardless of what text anyone might have gotten. So until you hear it from the horse's mouth, uh, from the Taoiseach or from Nora, Norma Foley or some one of those, as far as we know, the schools are going back in January. Just on the subject of entertainment and shows and performances and Christmas and all of that, I was going through some stuff last night for our Christmas Eve show and I came across, I put it on my Instagram and my Twitter last night, I came across a photograph <clears throat> taken of myself with the beautiful and wonderful Cara O'Sullivan. It was in December of 2018, and it was, I think it was in or around Cara's last public appearance, where she sang at the City Hall for a special anniversary concert for the City of Cork Male Voice Choir, and I had the pleasure and the honour of introducing Cara that night. We're great old pals, and of course Cara retired not long after that, um, due to illness, illness just took her music from her, shall we say. And um, I was thinking last night about Cara. Cara will feature on Christmas Eve on The Opinion Line. That's all I'm telling you for now. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM.
John says, gastro pubs open, wet pubs closed, gastro pubs closed again, and PJ says he understands the science of it. Come on, PJ, please share that scientific knowledge with us, says John. I will, John. I did this last week, John. One of the reasons they worry so much about pubs and other places to socialize is because that is where people come together in larger groups. And there was a chart going around last week being purported to be evidence on behalf of, obviously, the Restaurant Association and the VFI. And in fairness, it's the only evidence that they can get their hands on from the HSE. And it doesn't show any clusters in pubs or restaurants, which is used as an argument then to say that the pubs and restaurants are being victimised. It's not true. What happens is, if you infect me, John, tonight, if I go out and meet you and you infect me or we become infected, one of us becomes infected, and we're in a gastro pub, say, tonight, and one of us becomes infected, we won't develop symptoms for a couple of days. We're agreed on that now. Could be three days, could be five days. We won't develop symptoms for a couple of days. We will then contact our doctor. Imagine doing that on Christmas Day. Contact our doctor. And then our doctor will refer us for a test, possibly maybe Stephen's Day or the day after. And then we'll get the result, probably a day or a day and a half later. And then as a positive case, they will begin to contact trace us. That contact tracing will only go back 48, 72 hours as a push. Anthony Staines, Professor Anthony Staines was agreeing with me on this. So therefore, our meeting tonight in a pub or a restaurant doesn't count in contact tracing. So that claim that there are no clusters connected to pubs or restaurants is very, very thin. It doesn't hold a lot of water at all because of the way that we do contact tracing. There's your science. If it's not what you wanted to hear, sorry, but there's your science. Aaron on Twitter points to a tweet from the World Health Organization, or rather Matt Cooper's retweet of the World Health Organization in which they say there's no need for major alarm over new coronavirus strain. Aaron is arguing that there's no need for us to be doing what we're doing. At least I think that's what you're suggesting, Aaron. Well, the the strain, the new strain, both Dr. John Sheehan said it this morning, Professor Anthony Staines said it yesterday, and indeed, great Dr. Mike Ryan at the World Health Organization has said it. This new strain is not any more dangerous. It won't make you any sicker. If you're going to recover from the actual coronavirus, you'll recover from this. You won't get any sicker, but it spreads much faster. This spreads, if the original spread spreads like wildfire, this one spreads like wildfire with a hurricane behind it. And that's what they're worried about. The spread, not the level of infection, not the danger. And if it spreads faster, it'll get into vulnerable groups faster. And there is the problem. But you're right about what the World Health Organization have said. Uh, but get the quote right, I guess, is what I'm trying to gently say to you, even though you didn't misquote them either, to be fair to you. Bobby says, is this SNA text like the army text going around way back in March about the country going into martial law? Bobby, I sincerely hope not because that was a fake. Of course, and we were among the various programs that exposed it as a fake. You'll remember that. We've stayed with science and stayed with fact and we were very able to, very quickly able to establish that that was a fake message. But thank you, Bobby. Um, Please, if Cara's featuring on Christmas Eve... Please play her singing. There is an, there'll be one song. There'll be one song. 
That's Jar in Maryborough. Uh, and the one that there will be is the one, uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, Jar. I knew it the minute I mentioned that we'd be featuring Cara, we'd have a list of requests. There's one song, and one song only, that we feature on Christmas Eve. I think you already know what it is. 1850-715-996. It's Plan B. We always have a Plan B here and sometimes a C and a D. But we're going to be doing what we do as normal here at Penny Dinners. We'll be... Hold on, I'll stop that for now because I shouldn't have started it there. I should have started, introduced it properly first. Um, we know that last week we had the sad news about the miracle of Little Hanover Street that it couldn't really go ahead as originally planned. And to bring you through the history of it again, one more time, you'll know that Katrina came to us from the Penny Dinners at the end of October, wondering how she might do what they normally do down there on Christmas Day, how she might do it in the context of a pandemic. And she wanted to do something special on Little Hanover Street for the day. As would expect with Katrina and her volunteers, we were inundated with offers of help. So much help, in fact, that Katrina said she'd need someone to manage the occasion. So, Michael Mulcahy of Number One Events and his friend John Minahan got together and they brought in some of their own colleagues and friends and they put together an event, a huge event, which we were calling the Miracle of Little Hanover Street. Unfortunately, in the best interests of public health, that event had to be pulled in the interests of public health and public safety. It was the best decision all around. So what then happens for Christmas Day at the Penny Dinners? Well, as Katrina says, we move to Plan B. It's Plan B. We always have a Plan B here and sometimes a C and a D. But we're going to be doing what we do as normal here at Penny Dinners. We'll be handing out the dinners as takeaways and we'll have them packaged up real nice for people. But on, on the other side of it, then we'll have a fleet of drivers that will deliver to people in their homes. We're encouraging them to stay home. We'll bring the four-course meal that the Riverlea Hotel will be preparing for us and we'll take that to their homes. We'll take them to the hotels, the B&Bs and the hostels where homeless people are put up at the minute. So we have it covered on that front. So we just expect that the people will come to us will be rough sleepers or people that still find it lonely and have to come and say hello on Christmas Day. And what will happen to them? um, They'll have to take their dinner away with them. And that's so sad and it hurts us and that's what we were trying to avoid. We were saying, especially for one day of the year, it would have been so important to just have people that don't have a table to sit at and don't have a roof over their head and are outdoors the whole time. And, you know, on Christmas Day, nothing is open, so there is no place to go for a bit of warmth either on Christmas Day. Like, if it's during the week, you can pop into the shopping centre or you can walk through some shop and get a bit of heat into you but that's not going to happen on Christmas Day so we were putting all that together we had a fabulous place where we were socially distanced and a great plan in place but that kind of is knocked on the head now and we are erring on the side of caution I suppose on account of COVID-19 I think the amount of rough sleepers that we have in the city though is quite small I mean as you said a lot of the homeless people are in B&Bs or are in hostels and are not necessarily going to be eating their turkey and ham on the side of the street Exactly and they have the numbers have gone way down because the council have put a huge amount of people up and that's great to see as well there's just a small few rough sleepers around and we know who they are because we see them at night when we're out and um, but we will look after them it's Christmas and again for them 
being a rough sleeper any night of the week is bad but on Christmas night is, is tough and hopefully the council may be able to put more of them up before that and Simon would be able to extend the night light you know and try and get everybody in which if they do will be absolutely brilliant but we have a we have a very big list for to take dinners to, to to homes and we have that covered because rather than having one or two drivers running right left and centre we'll have a fleet of them and we get it all done fairly lively and then again our doors will be open to anyone that comes down for a dinner and we'll have the presents as well we'll do the Santa thing we'll do everything it'll be the same as every other year but with the social distancing completely in mind and I suppose you know we have to remember that the people who are delivering all of these and the people who are coming in here on Christmas morning are all volunteers they're giving up their Christmas day to come in here and help others and they really need to be applauded they do they're fantastic and they come in at the dawn they start about quarter to six in the morning and they're coming and going all through the day some stay for hours and hours on end and, and give massive amounts of time others will come in and they'll get down and do a bit of hard graft for about two or three hours but um, again it, we're all volunteers and we all look out for each other and look after each other I think you won't get the you'll never get the volunteers that we have anywhere they're just incredible nothing is too much for them even um, there they take the phone off me and they answer the phone and, and you know do everything they can to help me because they know I'm stretched to the limits but the kindness that they have for everybody that comes you know to, to our doors is just incredible but the kindness that they have for each other and for me is something else like where I suppose we're a great bunch of people and we carry each other through this because this is not easy like this is hard grafting you're pulling and dragging and washing and scrubbing and cleaning and brushing and cooking you know there's so much going on we've even had to bring in an extra team of uh, chefs this year on account of COVID-19 we've never had to do that before but so many people are struggling so we're, we're lucky now we have Killian now he's the head chef in UCC and Killian's just arrived at the minute because our chefs would fall down with the amount of work that they're doing. So we've got a team of chefs that have um, volunteered their time to come in. You know, like maybe two chefs now today and two chefs tomorrow, but they'll just give a day or two here and there, but we've enough to cover for about 21 days, which will mean a lot to us. Otherwise, we'd go under. We wouldn't be able to do this because the amount of call-outs that we have for hampers, we, we're, like, we'll have... I suppose so far we have maybe five or 6,000 hampers gone out and we'll have about another eight going. The call, the demand is just phenomenal. And we have to travel the length and breadth of the country for to the county to do it and further afield. We go outside the county as well because we get calls from people in Limerick and in Ennis and in Kilkenny and places like that. So we, we do help where we can. But... Um, and we help all the, um, you know, all the centres that are around that need help. Your name is Alan, isn't it? It You're is. Volunteer here it is. Yeah. It's uh, it's great. It's great. Uh, we get an opportunity to um, to help help the help the homeless, help uh, a lot of people that's uh, I suppose like uh, struggling at this time. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a sad time, and as you know, if two penny dinners there, everyone gets together and the helps out and gives it gives their time. You know. Volunteering over Christmas? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've we've done uh, we've done a lot over Christmas. There's um there's a good couple of us to be we all kind of sticks together and we volunteers and happy days, you know. We kind of look after each other. Giving up your hours to volunteer, especially at Christmas when it's a time when you know a lot of people would be at home with families and friends. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's just not at Christmas. It's um it's a kind of a yearly thing we do. 
you know, um, we're constantly uh, in penny dinners, you know. Um, we kind of run a meeting as well, uh, for, uh, a recovery meeting as well, you know, three times a week, you know. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's fabulous what penny dinners has to offer, you know. You know, I'm just standing here now and I see so many hampers. Do you think that there are more hampers this year than other years? Um, yeah, definitely this year, yeah, because I suppose over the pandemic we're in at the moment, you know. There's a lot of uneasy going around and I suppose and people are losing their jobs and, you know, and I suppose like, can you, have to, you have to put food at the table, you know, and I suppose and, you know, Cork, uh, the generosity of Cork at the moment is, is frightening, you know, and I suppose and they're giving their generosity to Cork Penny Dinners, you know, and Penny, Cork Penny Dinners then is handing it out, so, you know, happy days, like, you know, we keep it going, like. Chris O'Donovan, Cork City Missing Persons Social Recovery, just helping out Katrina. Just tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Well, we're assisting Katrina and uh, all the volunteers of Penny Dinners to deliver food hampers, so we're collecting the, the stuff that's donated here. We take it up to their warehouse, they'll pack it, and we'll distribute it then in, the, in their hampers out to the houses over the city. Why did you guys decide to do this, and what does it mean to you and all the other guys? Well, we, we're, we're, we're a search and recovery operation, but um, when, we're, when, when we're, we're not doing that, we like to assist the people at Cock, they keep us on the road. So we like to give back, and this is all we're giving back. We've done it every year for the last, I'd say, six or seven years. And like I was just chatting to Katrina there about the importance of volunteers, especially at this time of the year. I suppose that's very much in your minds when you're doing this kind of work. Yeah, sure, we are. We have 11 volunteers. We try and help as much as we can, but I think in the circumstances now, in the pandemic circumstances, I think that volunteers is what's keeping the country on the, on the road, to be honest. People are putting, giving their own time, being generous, giving stuff, bits and pieces, and everything, keeping other people going. So I think, you know, it's important to give back. People have caught, keep us on the road, so we need to give back. Does it make you sad to see the amount of parcels and the amount of hampers that are being delivered here in our city? It does, to be honest and truthful. Like the, there's, a, there's a problem. Katrina is meeting the need, and there are a lot of other organisations out there doing the same thing. But I mean, it, it needs to be tackled on, on, a, on a governmental level. This is it, it, volunteers going to do so much, but it's just it's 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 everywhere. And unfortunately, it, it's just it's just the way it is. And it's, I'm assuming Dublin, Limerick, and Galway, there's other cities suffering the same fate. It's just that the volunteers it, it's kind of kept. What's the word? There's a word for it. It's probably kept low key. It's uh, it's not publicised as much by the by the by the politicians or whatever you know. There you go. That's uh, thank you, Fiona, for that lovely package from uh, Penny Dinners. Plan B, and if necessary, as Katrina said, Plan C and Plan D. But everybody who wants a dinner, a Christmas dinner from Penny Dinners, will get one, and uh, you can't say better than that. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 996 On Cork's 96FM John was in touch to say he has his own van and he's free on Christmas Day if the penny dinners want any help with deliveries. Thank you very much, John. We will put your details and we'll give your details to Katrina. And Middleton Bikers, uh, 12.30 on Christmas Day. They have the Christmas dinner takeaway at the Baylick Road by Middleton Bike Project for anyone not in a position to have a home-cooked Christmas dinner. And they have one to take home. Um, just help by reserving one. So if you need one, the Christmas, the Middleton bikers are doing a Christmas dinner 
on uh, Christmas Day, obviously, text the number 85 before the 23rd. That's 85 and try to do that before the 23rd. Some breaking news. Cabinet have now agreed that there will be no new inter-county travel from the t- after St. Stephen's Day. So if you go somewhere for St. Stephen's Day, you can go back. But that's all you can do. And no more new inter-county travel after the 26th. Visits will be cut back to just one other household after the 27th. So you can have the two households around for the Christmas dinner or St. Stephen's Day dinner, whatever you want to do. Uh, that changes on the 27th to just one other household. The travel restrictions from Britain have been nailed down until the 31st of December. And the restaurants and the gastropubs have been told they're closing from 3 o'clock on Christmas Eve. As I said at the start of the programme, not the news we wanted, but the news that was inevitable. And let us remember again the advice from Chief Medical Officer Dr. Tony Holohan. We're trying to evaluate uh, things such as the potential role of this new variant that we've heard so much about in, in recent days. Uh, and we think that now it's very important that people revise any plans that they may have, may have had. People may well have listened over the course of the last couple of weeks, thought ahead, planned ahead. It's now time to look again at those plans. Ask yourself basic questions. If you're in one of the younger age groups, for example, and you have been socialising over the course of the last period of time, you have been out and about with friends, we think your plan might have you meeting up with other members of your family, particularly older members uh, of your family uh, um, uh, over the age of 65, especially people who are with medical uh, underlying conditions who will be vulnerable to this infection. We know this is a time of the year where there's a lot of family meeting up, we understand that. Uh, but with the very hopeful news uh, Dr. Nolan has shared with us, that we now have authorization of vaccines. So we're really on the cusp of being able to offer those very people the protection of vaccines, we hope, in the coming weeks and, and months. And we should remind you again of what Philip Nolan said, the modelling mathematician with with Neffet about the situation with regard to a third wave. We're clearly now in a third wave of this uh, pandemic uh, with very rapidly rising case numbers. The instances rising across all age groups and the growth rate is of really grave concern. So Christmas Day, Stephen's Day, you'll be able to have family around people from two other households, if you still want to go ahead with that. Dr. Holohan is advising you to think again about any other social movements. The restaurants and gastropubs closing Christmas Eve. The travel ban in place between here and the UK until the 31st. And if you are away anywhere outside your county, you have to come back on the 27th. You can no more inter-county travel after St. Stephen's Day. That's it. We are back in the morning just after nine. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.